Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is the Stop Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm David Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads across the pond this weekend for UFC London live from the O2 Arena. We'll be breaking down some of our favorite fights on that card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, we're also talking with a fighter who is on that fight card. Panny Kianzad joins the show right off the bat. And a little bit later on, we'll be talking to Abdul Kareem Al-Sawadi, who is going to be on Contender Series come this upcoming August. Before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor and adult drink fun. Make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's very well drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink? Well, certainly couldn't hurt because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Because let's face it, hard seltzers just don't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mutter mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. And joining me today is Penny Kianzad, who fights Ketlin Vieta at UFC London. That fight is on July 22nd. So, Penny, I wanted to start here. It's been 15 months since we've seen you in there. Uh, obviously, I know you had an accident in the gym. There was an issue with your knee. Can you tell us a little bit more about just how bad that was and, and maybe what the recovery looked like a bit? Uh, so I just tore my uh, – um, like 15 months ago, I tore my, my ACL. And, um, yeah, it's, I basically just went into surgery two weeks after, and then I head over, headed over to the PI in Vegas and spent three months there uh, and doing the first part of my recovery there. And then I headed back home and just continued. And, yeah, it's just a normal ACL tear, nothing <laughs> spectacular about it, just like everyone else. Um, recovery has been really good, and, but I wanted that year to pass before I got into the cage. Well, and that was going to be, be sure. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. It, so some of it is is just wanting to find that faith in the knee again to believe that it, it was good again. Yeah, and I'm not really in a hurry. I was ranked, but like my placement in the ranking was good. I just signed a new contract. I just got off a win. So I didn't feel like I didn't, I I just didn't need to rush anything. Uh, I just don't want to come back too soon just because, like, just to hurry it. And then I got offered fights before that as well, but I, I wanted to wait a year. 
That makes sense. Now, uh, out of curiosity, th- this is obviously a big fight, fighting Ketlin Vieta, somebody who, you know, is, is a little bit ahead of you in the rankings. Were those other offers as enticing as, as people who would get you, you know, where you want to be closer to the, the title? I mean, no. Like, basically, I ask, I always ask for my opponents. Uh, ever since I got into the UC, I asked uh, who I want to fight. And I always pick people in front of me in the rankings. So I asked I, I told them, I told my manager, I fight Holly or Caitlin. Like, I don't care who, who, who's this going to be because they just fought each other a, like a year ago or something. They kind of neck to neck in rankings. I'm like, and top five, like the level is so high. It's it really doesn't matter. Am I going to fight Holly or I'm going to fight Caitlin? I mean, you're still going to get a tough fight, right? And, and she was coming off a loss against Rocky, a close fight. And Rocky's probably going to fight for a title now. And I had a really close fight for Rocky. I just felt like, you know, it's time. It's time for us to meet. And uh, I'm ranked number six and she ranked number four. It just makes sense. I like that. Now, obviously, the, the 135-pound elephant in the room is that your division has now no title holder, right? Uh, Amanda yeah. Nunez retires after her big win. You just mentioned that you think Raquel Pennington is probably the one fighting for the belt next. It, yeah. Is it an exciting time for you to see the division so wide open and to see so many opportunities? Or is it also maybe kind of a little bit of a bummer that you, you don't wind up getting to fight, you know, Amanda Nunez and, and have that match with maybe the greatest of all time? I do feel it's a bummer that we don't get to fight, but I kind of feel for her. I'm a, I mean, you've been fighting for so long and you've done so many title runs. I mean, let the girl retire. Just, <laughs> just, uh, I don't, I don't, I know why she retires. I mean, she wants to end up on top. She wants to quit on top and she has a family and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, the division is wide open. I see a lot of, like, I always see possibilities. I don't care if Amanda was still there or anything, but I see a lot of big possibilities, and I, I see myself becoming the first Swedish champ. That, that's great to hear. Now, I, I you, you mentioned in there that you, you think Raquel Pennington's next. Is, is it you think her and Pena? Do you think a big win here from you, something emphatic against Ketlin Vieta, puts you in that mix? Where, where do you think that, uh, that first Bantamweight title fight is going to look like? I think she's going to beat Pena. That's number one. That's first. And and then I think that uh, uh, we have to look we have to look forward for the Holly versus uh, Holly's fight. Um, like if there is a good fight there and if there's a good fight between me and Kaylin Vieira, I do see myself fighting for the title, uh, expecting that I look good against Kaylin Vieira. I like that. I like that. Now, before we get to talking about that fight and all the stylistic pieces that come into it, I did want to ask you about getting the fight in Europe again, because it's, it's been a little bit right. And it obviously it's not Sweden. Uh, it, it's mm, not, you know, uh, we're not, we're not getting a Stockholm event yet, but how excited are you to be, you know, at least a little bit closer to home, at least on European soil. I asked for, um, uh, for London just because of that reason that I've been gone for a year and I wanted to fight a bit closer just for the comeback. I love fighting in Vegas, though. So I've been fighting there most of my career. And I'm looking forward to go back to Vegas again mm-hmm. after this. Uh, it's, um, I mean, it's nice. Traveling two hours, I mean, that's nothing. And no time difference. I just feel like um, I just wanted to do my comeback fight, like, 
uh, I mean, I've been through some trips, so <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let myself rest a bit when it comes to the trips. That makes sense to me. Now, you you said you love Vegas. Uh, what what about fighting in Vegas? Do you love? Like, like I hate Vegas, Vegas to like <laughs> stay there and live there and people and stuff like that. But I love, I like fighting in the states. Mm-hmm. I mean, fighting in the apex, being around the PI and. You know, being around the UFC headquarters and just like fighting in the States has been such, has given me such big opportunities. And uh, I mean, I, I, I never fight in Europe. They never get me fights in Europe. And I see that as a good thing. Because uh, it's, I think it's good to market me on a bigger stage where I belong. And I think the States is perfect for that. Uh, I mean, it's the fighting capital. And, um, and I just like, uh, I mean, I, I just like fighting in the States. It's nice. I like that. But you you did mention the Apex in there because I've heard a lot of fighters say, yeah, I like fighting in Vegas. Yeah, I like fighting in, you know, big American stadiums. I do not hear very many people say they love the Apex. Ew, because they spoil. <laughs> they think they're something. Or, I don't even know. But who doesn't like being in, like, Apex fighting? The, the hotel is, like, two minutes away from there. You have the PI. You have everything there. You just go in, get the job done, and then you go out. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I think it's, it's the best, uh, best thing they could even think about. You don't even th- have to worry about, like, uh, you know, all the fans or anything. I think it's nice to be able to hear yourself in the cage. Um, I mean, the only thing that's kind of negative, I would say that it's not a big cage. Mm-hmm. I like the big cage. But... I mean, I think it's it's the best thing they ever done. The apex cages. More people get to fight. More people get to work. No. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, so now I gotta ask too, you. You mentioned you like the big cage. What about the big cage? Uh, is more preferable to your style? I mean, it gets me more. Like I, I get more room. I feel like I'm. Like the smaller cage is like way smaller. It's not like a little bit smaller. It's like half of it. And then honestly, I have good cardio. I don't mind seeing my opponents run around because usually they have, I have much better cardio than them. So it makes them work a bit harder. All right. Now let's talk specifically about your matchup here with Ketlin Vieta. As you said, you, you've kind of seen her and Holly as the people who you were going to fight. So I have to imagine when they did eventually come with the name Ketlin Vieta, you already got her scouted. You already know exactly what you like about the matchup. What is it that you like about fighting Caitlin Vieta? I mean, I just I just figured myself fighting her before fighting for a title. Like, because uh, she's always been ranked so high. She's got really good wins against good opponents. And I feel like it's a perfect name to cross off my list. It looks good. She has a good record. She's very strong. And she can we very different in styles. I mean, she's very clinch based, a bit like tall and a bit strong and stuff like that. I'm kind of like totally the opposite. I work basically on my technique and a lot of like footwork and you know. And I know a lot of people have seen only my boxing, but I'm very well rounded. And I mean, I will bring the other tools. Uh, you know, in front of you guys whenever I need to. I mean, I can hold on to them as long as I can. <laughs> and just like, you know, I knew I knew we were always gonna fight each other. I remember. I mean, I do I do commentary on the weekend, so I commentate basically all of her fights. So I know I know all these girls inside out, everybody in the ranking or outside the ranking. So 
is that an advantage you see? Because because I know you do those those broadcasts over there. In is that an advantage you see? You're scouting literally not like you said, not just one through five, not through just one through ten, one through you know fifty or however many bantamweights there are. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a cheat code, honestly. <laughs> it, it is. It's a legal cheat code because I get to I watch a lot of film. I do a lot of research and I get to see like not only my division, let's see all the different divisions, the guys of his uh, divisions and, and, you know, commenting them and going through what they're doing in the fights. Um, Cause I know a lot of, a lot of fighters don't, don't watch fights. And I think that's, that's really weird. It's like, it's like being a doctor or a surgeon without even doing a surgery. It's, it's weird. Like more fighters should watch more film should watch like their divisions or if you have a, a style that you can compare to another fighter that's really good then you can like look out for that style and you can see what they're doing to improve that all the time uh but yeah i watch a lot of film and i watch a lot of her films and uh i think i even think i commentated her last fights so yeah i mean it's just good like um it, it helps me a lot during my injury as well to watch film so uh, i'm gonna take you back to something you said there a second ago you said not not just people in your division not just put prospective opponents but also people who you think maybe in other divisions who do similar things to you you pick up little bits and pieces from them uh, i obviously don't want you to give away huge secrets to your game or anything like that but is there a time that you can share with us that you you saw something in another fighter and you're like oh that'd be nice for my game no like okay so one of my favorite fighters is holloway it's a lot of it's, it's it's a lot of action. It's uh, he puts a lot of output out there, and he uses like both his feet, his hands, and everything. And like I like, for example, I watch him, and I think that okay, I like his output. For example, um, when I was fighting uh, Sidora Eubanks, I was watching Gustafsson versus Teixeira in Sweden. Right. And I was watching that fight. I'm like, this, this is the fight to watch, you know, because I was I was working against a, like a shorter fighter, a heavier grappler. And, you know, the way he used his boxing, I was taking a lot from that, too. So I kind of like I take different fighters that I like and and choose stuff about them. And then I try to implement maybe that's my game. I love that. Now, now those those th- those three straight uppercuts, where does that rank on your all time knockouts of uh uh, especially that fight is my that. favorite. <laughs> that fight is my favorite. Like Gustafson doesn't get to, uh, enough credit for that fight. That's an amazing fight. It's one of my favorite highlights. The back to back to back uppercut. So um, obviously we got to talk about your fight though. So you you said you know you think she's gonna come with the grappling. You know that you got the better boxing. You know you work better from range. How, how do you see this fight going? Give us a little bit of a blueprint of what it looks like and uh, maybe how you get your hand raised at the end here. I mean, like, going from what I've seen with her, it's like, wherever she's comfortable, she's going to go with that, right? So if she can stand up and strike with you for three rounds, she was def- she's definitely going to do that. So I don't think she's only grappling-based. I mean, her last fight, she's barely been on the ground. So I'm expecting everything. I mean, I'm I'm expecting her to come out there and just, like, I, you know what? I, I just wish she'd just stand with me. <laughs> I just hope a girl, like, just stands in the middle. And, you know, I just, I really want to get into a fist fight. So I'm really hoping for that. <laughs> so I'm just hoping for 
for you know I was hoping to do like um Wonder Boy and uh, and Holland fight. Just you know what? We're just gonna keep this standing. No, but I'm ready for everything. I always my my team is always making me ready for any kind of fight. Um, but I'm you know I have a game plan and everything. But you know that's always like you can always change that because it's when you're in there. I'm 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 basically I'm gonna go with the flow, whatever I'm feeling. I dig it. So usually I ask in any things with a prediction. It sounds like you're pretty open to anything, but do you have an idea way you see this one ending come July 22nd? I see myself dominating Caitlin for three rounds. That's what I'm seeing. And if I if I don't do that, it's something wrong with me. That's what I'm seeing. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Antony Kianzad, who fights Caitlin Vieira at UFC London. That fight once again, July 22nd. Tani, thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Penny Keon Zad. I once again am Dan. You're going to be free and then join now with my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I want to start here. I got to get your take on the light heavyweight situation right now. We've got Jamal Hill, who seemingly ruptured his Achilles tendon playing basketball with Daniel Cormier. Uh, and now we have nobody for the light heavyweight championship again. So my question for you is, what should the UFC do? And what do you think they're going to do? Ah, great question. Okay, so let's start with what they should do. First off, little back history here. This title lineage now is a mess. They stripped Jury because he was supposedly out with some catastrophic injury that no one ever really could prove was catastrophic. He wasn't going to fight for maybe, you know, over a year, maybe 18 months. And it looks like he's going to be back, you know, 11 months later or something like that. So that was ridiculous to strip him. So, okay, you need to fight for uh, a card in January. So you have Jamela Hill face the legend and Glover, who's the former champion. Was Jamela Hill deserving of the real title? Uh, no, but here we are. Why wasn't that an interim? Now Jamela Hill gets injured playing basketball. Very Aaron Boone to A-Rod-esque if you're a baseball fan. So now it's no longer even an interim because, let's face it, Hill never even defended it. So they've done the right thing. And he has relinquished the quote-unquote real title, which in my opinion is still with jury, but whatever. So what they should do is they have this fight, Jan versus Alex Pereira coming up to 205. That to me should be a number one contender's fight. And the winner of that will face jury. I love the idea of Alex winning and then him defending his teammate in Glover, who, of course, had that crazy war with Jury, but, you know, it's kind of at the tail end of his career. So that is the answer, Gumby. The winner of Jan versus Alex will fight Jury for the title, the real title, Alex for Jury's title that he never lost. But what I think the UFC is going to do is have it be an interim title fight, uh, Jan versus Alex, because, hey, it's already on a card headlined by the made-up BMF belt, so let's get crazy. But gosh, do I hope they don't do that. How about you? Yeah, I hope they don't do that, too. I, I also think if they do that, I bet you they don't even do it for an interim. I, I bet you they just call it the real deal title. Because at this point, how do, you give an inter how do you give an interim title for a title that doesn't have an actual title holder, right? So, like, I think they'd probably just give it the full-fledged title treatment. Also, you know, just to, to continue this, this storyline about how crazy this is, it is worth mentioning, too, that Jan Blankovic did also fight for the title in the middle of this mess already. So this is going to be his second shot at the title, should they turn it into a title fight. 
because he had that draw with Magomed and Goliath where nobody won the title. And then they, instead of running it back or running Jan versus one of them or running Magomed versus Glover, they just blew it up entirely and gave neither of them a title shot. So, hey, maybe Jan does deserve another title shot, being that he seemingly drew for one already and then didn't get another shot. But you're right. I, I think the right thing to do is to wait for Yuri. Let this one play out as a number one contender fight, especially because it was planned on being three rounds. Let's not stretch it to five. Um, and, and hopefully that's the thing that they do. But as you know, the UFC does some pretty wacky things when they want an extra title fight on a pay-per-view. Yep. Well, listen, I, I actually, I forgot that Jan fought for, for an interim <laughs> title. This whole, this whole thing is a mess. And, Again, it's so interesting to me. You kind of reap what you sow with this stuff because they've gone so interim title crazy the past year or so. Not a year, excuse me. The past five to six years. Um, I really think they need to calm down with that. I really think I saw on Twitter, and I wish I could give credit to whoever came up with the idea. There doesn't need to be a BMF belt. It could just be a BMF uh, bonus, like a you know someone goes out, loses a five round war. Think of Rory McDonald losing to Robbie Lawler. Rory deserved not just a bonus for that fight, but a BMF bonus. And you could kind of market that for guys who go out and put on shows. But the whole thing with a BMF title and, and interim titles, I'm sick of it. Yeah, I'm sick of it too. I can't wait they do the interim though. I will say from a marketing standpoint, right? They, they want a reason to put something that's a co-main event in the five rounds. You know, you think of the, uh, the, the Josh Emmett, Yair Rodriguez fight, right? Even though Volkanovski was only going to be out of the division for like a brief moment in time, being able to put that on as a second title fight, it, it's going to draw in casual fans. It's not going to draw in me or you because we're already watching, let's face it. And, and it's not going to draw in people who love the UFC. They're already watching. It's drawing in the people who are like, oh, this pay-per-view's got two title fights on it and don't know the story behind why this is an interim one. Or, you know, just like you see two sets of titles on a poster, it's just different. And, hey, it probably even helped sell Volkanovski versus Rodriguez. So I get why they do it from a marketing standpoint. From a sports standpoint, I couldn't agree with you more. It's got to calm down. You don't want it to turn into boxing with 17 different titles in every division and all that kind of stuff. Because it just gets like, it starts to get hard to follow at a certain point in time. And that's the thing about the UFC and their titles that's so intriguing to a lot of people is it's easy to name all their champions most of the time. It gets less easy when you start having two or three champions in a division. I'm with you. It's pretty wild, but I'll tell you what else is wild and fun, and that's going to be our breakdown of UFC London. In it, baby. Before we do, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Sucks and Parlays is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor and adult drink fun. Make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. And it comes in all of your favorite flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, with only 110 calories, one carb. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. All right. Well, we have the heavyweight main event for UFC London. Tom D. Marcin Tibora, plus 300. Aspinall coming off a loss to Curtis Blades. Uh, there was a knee injury in there, though, and he was on a massive win streak before that. He hadn't lost in the UFC before Curtis Blades. He was 5-0 and in the UFC uh, before that 
possibly. Marcin hand, you know, he's had some highs. He's had some lows. He's been fighting in the UFC since 2016, which kind of snuck up on me, to be quite honest with you. There was a five-fight win streak in the mix, lost to Alexander Volkov back in October of 2021. He's coming off a win via unanimous decision over Blagoj Ivanov. He's a big, big dog here at 3-1. to one. Who you got? I'm going to go with Tom Aspinall. I'm a little bit worried about how the knee holds up, but at the end of the day here, Marcin Tybura is one of those fighters who, like you said, he's had really good runs, but it's mostly just because he's a heavyweight who wrestles and grinds well. Um, and that gets him wins over guys who are, you know, the big power punchers and maybe don't have the cardio that he does. But the thing about Tom Aspinall is he actually is a low-key, really good wrestler, too. You know, you mentioned Alexander Volkov. He took him down submitted him he took down Arlovsky submitted him he's got the wrestling chops as well I think he bangs on the feet better than Tybura Uh, and so like you know I think this is a good fight for him back it's probably a durable enough guy to test him but I, I do think he should win pretty comfortably here all right, moving right along, we have another fight with seemingly, um, you know, a pretty large favorite and a pretty large dog. In this case, it's Molly McCann, a minus 350, and Julia Storyenko, a plus 275 dog. Um, Renko is coming off a loss to Chelsea Chandler via TKO. She's actually just one and four in her last five. So you could kind of see why she is a plus 275 dog. And Molly McCann, absolute veteran at this point, coming off a loss to Aaron Blanchfield via submission, uh, Kimura. No real shame in that as Blanchfield, we on this show are huge fans of and think she's a future champion. Before the Blanchfield loss, Molly McCann had reeled off three wins in a row. So three and one in her last four. Large favorite here, Molly McCann at minus 350. Who you got? And what would be Julia's path to win, as I assume you're taking Meatball Molly? Yeah, I'm taking Molly McCann here. And and the path to victory is pretty clear for Stolia Renko. She's got to get her grappling going. And part of me worries about the grappling defense of Molly McCann because she is, first of all, a big favorite and also has shown issues with her grappling, which Stolia Renko is seemingly quite good at. But my big problem with Stolia Renko here is the fact that she's coming down in weight. Um, You know, she actually missed weight at Bantamweight a couple of times, uh, fainted on the scale once, had to be removed from a fight. And now she's going to come down and fight at flyweight and we're supposed to feel good about it. Um, I can't imagine she has enough energy to repeatedly take Molly McCann down, especially being that, you know, like she lost to Chelsea Chandler because she couldn't keep up that pace and couldn't grapple with Chandler. And we just saw Chandler get absolutely worked on the mat this past weekend. So I, I think Molly McCann, she might give up a takedown or two, but I think at the end of the day here, she stuffs enough of them and wears out Stolia Renko, who's going to be absolutely depleted at 25. So yeah, give me Molly McCann here. No arguments for me. Nathaniel Wood is a minus 200 favorite. Andre Touchy Feely is a plus 160 dog. Feely has been doing the damn thing for a long time, and he's coming off a split decision win over Bill Algio. A couple of losses and a no contest before that. Uh, Nathaniel Wood is on a two-fight win streak. He had lost to Casey Kenny back in October of 2020 and then reeled off unanimous decision wins over Charles Rosa and Charles Jourdain and now finds himself a two-to-one favorite here. Who you got? going to go with uh, Nathaniel Wood. While the, the decision win over Bill Algio was good for Andre Feely, you mentioned those losses before. He had actually lost two out of three with a no contest squeezed in between there. And the big issue for him in those fights was a grappling deficiency, right? Bryce Mitchell took him down a million times. He couldn't get inside on Drew Anderson Brito. Granted, he only had 41 seconds before he got knocked silly. And I'm just really high on Nathaniel Wood coming up to featherweight. At first, I thought it was a mistake. He's a shorter guy at featherweight. 
But he's shown in his first two fights, the Rosa fight and the Jordan fight, that he's quick enough, he's fast enough to make up for that size disparity, and the grappling's still there. So I, I think while he might not get the takedowns against Feely, I think he's going to be a little sharper, a little faster on the feet. Um, and I'm going to go favorite again here at the top of the card. All right. Uh, who's our dog of the week this week? Our dog of the week this week is going to be Josh Kolobau. Uh, He's betting off at plus 130 against Lerone Murphy. Look, I, I think Kolobau showed why he's so dangerous against Melsic Bogdazarian. He, Bogdazarian gave up his back for half a second after he tripped, and Kolobau sunk in the choke and got the finish. On top of that, he's an absolute banger on the feet. He gets in your face. He throws bombs. Uh, I can't believe he's coming in here as an underdog against Lerone Murphy, who took a fight on short notice against Gabriel Santos, Santos being the one who took it on short notice. And I really thought Santos won that fight. And Santos is another guy who comes forward and bangs. I think you're getting that, plus you're getting the grappling from Kolobau. I think he's got advantages in a bunch of places. So to see him at plus 130 here, I think it's kind of a steal. And our parlay to play is the aforementioned Tom Aspinall at minus 450. Pair him with Jamal Pogues at minus 160. It does get you plus 100, so like even money on it. Uh, break that down. So I mentioned already, I like Tom Aspinall. As long as his knee isn't absolutely destroyed, he should have no problem here with Marcin Tybura. Going to be a faster guy, going to be a more conditioned guy, going to have the better hands. Pokes for me, this one comes down to the fact that I really don't trust Mick Parkin based on his contender series fight. He was getting torched on the feet by Eduardo Neves, and then Neves weirdly decided to grapple him, and, and he winds up winning by rear naked choke and getting the UFC contract. Pogues, meanwhile, is actually a really good grappler, so I don't see him making that mistake against Parkin, and I think he's got the gas tank to deal with it. And then on top of that, I also think he's got the hands to hurt Parkin and a huge reach advantage. So when you pair all those things together and he's only at minus 160, I think that's a steal and a good piece for a parlay. Boom. That wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can let us know if you did enjoy it or if you didn't uh, at Top Turtle MMA on social media. Gumby, this is a party. Let's not let it stop. What are we doing next? We're going to transition now to my interview with Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, who is about to fight on Contender Series against George Hardwick in an absolute banger of a fight. That fight is coming up in August, but that interview is coming up right now. All right, and joining me today is Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, who fights George Hardwick at week two of Dana White's Contender Series. That fight is on August 15th. So, I wanted to start here. It's kind of the fighter's dream to get that call to be able to either fight the UFC or fight in front of Dana White. Take us through your emotions. What did it feel like when you finally got that call? I mean, honestly, I feel like personally it's been a long overdue um, call. I mean, I've been waiting for that call for like the last four or five years. You know, I would have been more surprised if I had got it like five years ago, six years ago, but ever since, you know, I, I felt like I paid my dues and even more like, you know, I see guys get on the contender series. Their records are like five and two, six and two, you know, nine and three. So stuff like that, you know, I, I fought top level competition for a very long time. Um, but, you know, at the end, you know, when you finally get the call, it's like, okay, well, here we are. Finally, we're there. And um, definitely excited, and everything goes down to this moment, you know. Um, I could say I feel like I deserved it and all that, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. What matters is when you have the chance, what are you going to do with it? So that's what I'm really looking forward to do right now is basically just be in the moment, 
and, uh, you know, deal with what I got right now. Absolutely. And I, I don't want to take you out of that moment and, and force you to look back a little bit again. But I do want to ask, you know, like you said, you've kind of felt like you paid your dues. I mean, you were fighting for Brave for three years and even going into working with Brave, you had an outstanding record. And, you know, you, you did look like you were ready for the big show a long time ago. Is it was it hard to sort of sit through those times and see these other guys that, you know, like you said, five and oh, six and oh, getting their shot uh, when, you know, you you were probably more deserving that whole time. Yeah, you know, um, it, it definitely did suck. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's life. And life isn't always exactly how you want it to be, right? It's not what you think you deserve or what you think you earn. Sometimes it's just it's just a different path, you know, everyone gets. Not everyone has the same path. You look at all the champions in the UFC, not everyone made it through the same amount of wins to the title. Not everyone fought the same level of competition to get there. Everyone's just had a different way. And this is just... This is just my way. You know, I've had the longer way outside, and I feel right now, at this point, I feel like that was actually better for me. You know, I got all that experience outside of the UFC where right now, whenever I'm there, maybe this is this was my way of just being ready for everything. And uh, my goal is to, you know, inshallah, when I win this fight, is just to have all these fights back-to-back. You know, I already gained a lot of experience to get me through a lot of fights and it's like a, a boost of motivation to just level up to the next level. Absolutely. And you mentioned that path and I did want to talk about your time with brave because I mean, like you were on the first card ever from that organization, you know, you, you got built up to being their lightweight champ, all that kind of stuff. What sort of led you away from what there? Was it just the pandemic? Cause I know obviously that's pretty much right around when you stopped fighting for them. Or, or was there a reason why you, you decided to, to not fight for them anymore? Yeah, I mean, every every place I go to, I always I always get the long road, you know? Like, with Brave, you got some guys that fought for the title from the first fight, second fight, third fight. For me, it was like, I think it was my, my fifth fight. Like, I always earned my way to the top no matter what. With Brave, you know, I felt like it was the level up for me at that stage of my life. And then... um you know, I'm in a gym, Fortis MMA. All the guys that I started with, nobody was in the UFC when we all started together. And everyone just started to get signed from the UFC and Brave. I actually had a you know UFC contract in 2018 and Brave would not release me. And uh, that, that got me to feel sour with them because, you know, I had my shot. I had everything and they did not let me go. So I thought, okay, well, now I'm going to have to fight for much, much, much much less money but fight here in the states as fight for shows like lfa and fury that are actually feeders to the ufc they actually want to be part of you know your journey to the ufc whereas brave they they were like you know we're in competition with the ufc we don't feed fighters to the ufc we we actually take fighters from the ufc because we're the number one organization and you know even though it was it was a good level up for me at a stage of my life, but that's not where I wanted my whole career to go to, just being the brave champion. I wanted to be the UFC champion, and to do that, I had to, you know, leave brave um, and start fighting locally here in the States, um, which made more sense because that's where I lived. So even though I lived here in the States, I fought in the Middle East, and all my following was in the Middle East. So I wanted to build myself up here. Whereas when the UFC looks at me, they don't just look at me as 
just another Middle Eastern fighter. I'm also like an American fighter. I'm here in the States. I have a big following base here. I sell out all the tickets when I fight here locally in the States. So I want them to know that they'll make money with me, you know, wherever they go. In the Middle East, I have a big fan base. Um, in the States, I have a big fan base. And now it's literally anywhere I could go, I could fill up an arena with a bunch of people. I dig that. And that makes a lot of sense in terms of getting to the UFC. Now, now you also mentioned working with with safe side and Fortis MMA in there. I got to ask, cause I ask every fighter who trades at Fortis MMA safe's a unique guy. I've actually interviewed him before and he's talked about, you know, finding what works for his fighters and making sure he's the type of coach that they need. Wh- what about him and the way that he works with you works with you so well and, and has made you into the fighter that you are. I mean, he's a, he's a very technical guy. He's uh, very smart. He uses brains a lot, you know, and that helps us. Because, you know, we put in the work, we have that hard, intense training, but at the same time, he really, you know, gets into that mental part of a fighter, you know, specific game planning, you know, it's cool to see him be, uh, do, do like the UFC breakdowns, uh, for the main events of like the pay-per-views, because then you have that experience, that, that coaching to break down your opponents and give you a, a game plan that's strategic and, uh, more catered towards you and against your opponent so um, it's very cool and uh, you know he doesn't always say what you want him to say he'll say what he needs to say for that specific moment and uh, just that brutal honesty is uh, is always the best you know to have someone like that and even though you know we're, we're, we're close but it's not like that you know you know friendly joking type relationship it's a very respectful you know he gives the order and you take it type relationship like general to soldier type and this is fighting at the end of the day you know he doesn't have to be your best friend you don't have to go out you know for meals or something together you just you just need someone that's going to take you where you want to go and that's who coach safe is i love that now we're going to talk about where you're going next which is that fight with george hardwick but before we do i did want to ask you because i was on your instagram and i noticed that you've been doing a lot of cooking as well. You've been doing a lot of smoking meats, and I, I see a Palestinian brisket in there and some barbecue. I got to ask, A, what got you into that? And B, how were you making weight with all of that brisket on your plate? Man, um, I love I, I love cooking. I love food in general. Like I love to eat, but I also enjoy cooking. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy cooking for like myself my friends we get together you know we train hard and then after training we'll just you know throw some steaks and some meat on the grill and uh it doesn't really get in the way of my weight cutting because you know i mean six six weeks out five four six to four weeks out i kind of you know stop with that excessive fatty meats but i'm always grilling i'm always smoking so right now it's becoming more lean meats more leaner steaks um bison meat you know I wouldn't be uh, smoking ribs every day right now. And for me, really, I just love the smoking the meats, the grilling the meats. Like, you wouldn't see me really, every time I make brisket or steak, I'm having mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and all those fixings. No, it's really, it's just the meats. So, if anything, it helps me more than anything because I'll just throw, like, a big uh, bison brisket on there or, like, five pounds of, of uh bison ground bison or something and that's going to be my meals for the week my my protein for the week so why would i have you know just chicken breast each meal if i could throw some high quality meat on the grill and enjoy it you know 
I know I'm cooking the meat. I know where it's coming from. I know who's cooking it. I know what's in it. I use all the high quality um, ingredients. So there's nothing better than that. So if anything, aside from it just being fun, you know, I enjoy it. Even if I'll post like one or two videos a month, I'm actually on that grill almost every day. So I just enjoy it. I'll make a video when I feel like it and it's like fun, but you know, um, I enjoy it. And I've been doing it for like three years since COVID where I got really invested into barbecue. But, uh, you know, in my, in my, in between fights, when I'm looking for something to do, I take it a bit more serious and I start doing like cooking events. I did like a barbecue competition that I won. And that was like pretty funny um, because I competed against some high level barbecuers here in Texas. And I took that competition very serious where like for a full month I was like dialing in my methods and my my steaks and everything and it's fun because I mean I'm training all day in order to keep up with the the steaks that I'm eating you know I don't just <laughs> get that so I in order to eat more steaks I got to train harder and it just it just it just the more I eat the more I train the more I train the more I eat so it, it's, a, it's like a lot of fun to me I dig it, and we, we love seeing those videos, too. Now, I, I, I got to ask about George Hardwick, too, because, you know, th- this is not just your average, everyday Dana White Contender Series fight. This is a fight that looks like it's between two guys who both should have been in the UFC two years ago. You know, George Hardwick, high-level prospect. You, high-level prospect. And not only did you both get signed to Contender Series, but they square you off with one another what did you sort of think about that as as the guy who they're putting you in against? Um, I mean, I thought it was uh, it's a good fight, you know. I like it. Every fight for me is uh is the biggest fight until then, you know. Like before the UFC, it's like, well, this is the biggest fight because if you mess up, you know, you know, you might lose that chance. So right now, it's the same thing. Um, and for me, you know, George, you know, I looked at him. He's he's got some good striking and stuff, but he still has holes in his game. And uh, I'm going to expose those holes. And I like I like every time someone talks about him, you know, they, they hype him up a lot because I know what I'm going to do to him. So it's like I want everyone to keep that same energy. So, you know, when I when I beat him and when I expose him, they know that I'm the best. You know what I mean? It's, I don't I don't want everyone to already know what I'm going to do and or, or see that. And then when I beat him, they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, he sucks anyways. No, I, I like that energy that everyone has already about him so when i beat him and he's like the hottest prospect and the biggest guy and i just run through him everyone's like oh damn abdul's a guy you know absolutely and that that usually leads me right there to my last question so you said you know when i run through him what's it gonna look like you got a prediction for us when it goes down august 15th you see well when you look at george hardwick he's not a one-dimensional fighter right he's 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 good in a lot of places. He's calm. He you know he throws down. So when it goes down to exposing someone like that, you're just gonna have to be ready for everything and anything. And uh, it's gonna be you know who wants it more, who's who's built for this fight more. Um, and uh, you know you just have to expect a lot of fireworks there. You know this 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 fight is exactly okay. what it's hyped to be. Uh, and we're looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this has been Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, who fights George Hardwick at week two of Dana White's Contender Series. Once again, that fight is on August 15th. Abdul, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
Of course, of course, man. Thank you again, and uh, talk to you soon. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game Up Heart Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. Until next week, I'm Danny Gibby-Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.